I'll be reading today in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18 through 20, uh, sorry, 25, in English and then in Spanish. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and, she, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Mateo 1, del 18 al 25. El nacimiento de Jesucristo fue así. Estado desposada María, su madre, con José, antes que se juntasen, se halló que había concebido del Espíritu Santo. José, su marido, como era justo y no quería enfamarla, quiso dejarla secretamente. Y pensando él en esto, he aquí un ángel del Señor le apareció en sueños y le dijo, José, hijo de David, no temas recibir a María, tu mujer, porque lo que ella es engendrado del Espíritu Santo es, y dará a luz un hijo y llamará su nombre Jesús, porque él salvará a su pueblo de sus pecados. Todo esto aconteció para que se cumpliese lo dicho por el Señor por medio del profeta cuando dijo, He aquí una virgen concebirá y dará a luz un hijo y llamará su nombre Emmanuel, que traducido es Dios con nosotros. Y despertando José del sueño, hizo como el ángel del Señor le había mandado y recibió a su mujer. Pero no la conoció hasta que dio a luz a su hijo primogénito y le puso por nombre Jesús. Amen. Amen. Give it up for Ruth, ladies and gentlemen. All right, church, pray with me. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And now as we come to your word, we pray. You would open our eyes and our hearts to receive. Father, only you know what burdens your people carry, what trials that they face, what difficulties that they are trying to overcome. Father, would you use your word to comfort them that they may comfort others. As we consider this Christmas season, Father, let us be reminded of Jesus. In the midst of all the hustle and bustle of life, let us not forget the true reason for the season, your son. And may your word refocus the lens of our lives on him and on him alone. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. This past Friday, the fam and I opened our first Christmas gift from us to us, our new home. Yeah. Amen. We're excited to be residents of Gary, Indiana. 
We are super excited to move in right before Christmas. Amen. It is a gift that has moved us. And as I said last week, the best gifts don't just move towards us, but they move us. In fact, in order for us to receive this gift, this house, we had to, we had to move. There is no other way to receive this gift without moving. Uh, we had to relocate. It's an automatic thing. If we receive this gift, this house, the consequence would be us moving. We must move from one address to another in order to receive this gift. Let me move this while I trip over this. Friends, this is the significance of God's first Christmas gift. God's gift didn't just move to us, but it moved us. Jesus didn't just move to us, but he moved us. God's Christmas gift requires us to move. In fact, in order to receive God's Christmas gift, you must relocate. But there's a question, Pastor. There's an inquiry, uh, Pastor, that we have. If we must relocate, if we must move, where in the world are we moving to? Pastor, where are we going? Well, God's Christmas gifts moves us from 3141-517 Genesis Street to 121 Matthew Street. Let me translate. We are moving from the house of guilt to the house of forgiveness. Let me say it again, that didn't move you. We are moving from the house of guilt to the house of forgiveness. God's Christmas gift moved us from guilt to forgiveness. I wish I had some people who knew they were guilty before their salvation I wish I had some people online who knew that they were guilty prior to their salvation, and God's gift moves us from the house of guilt to the house of forgiveness. God's Christmas gift moves us from guilt to forgiveness, so let's unwrap it. So we start at the house of guilt, 3141, 517 Genesis Street. In fact, let's go to that address right now. You got your Bibles? Go ahead to Genesis chapter 3. Starting at verse 14, and the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Ain't that something, y'all? The serpent just slid up on her. He slid up in a DM and said, hey, God got something for you. Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all the livestock and more than any of the animals of the field. On your belly shall you go. And the dust you shall eat all the days of your life, and I will make enemies of you and the woman, and of your offspring and her descendants. He shall bruise you on your head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. 
In pain you shall deliver children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and you shall rule over you, and he shall rule over you. And Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, you have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. What do we see here, friends? We're not going to do an exhaustive uh, exegesis on this text. One thing that we can pull out of this is we got some guilty folks in the garden. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is the house of Adam. In, in, in those who live in the house of Adam are guilty. News flash before Jesus, we all dwelt in the house of Adam. We were guilty as charged. We were guilty children. And how did Adam raise us? He raised us to be sinners like him and his wife. Do you remember residing in the house of Adam? Cursed and cut off from God. I mean, to be cursed is to be set and marked for doom and destruction. That's what it means to be cursed. You are set. You are marked. Your destiny, your ending is doom and destruction. That's not a bright future. I mean, in this house, Adam's, in this neighborhood, Adam's neighborhood, chances out are slim to none. Until you understand where you live, God's Christmas gift will not move you. I mean, it is in this house where there was no running water. I mean, living water. It was in this house where there was no bread to eat. I mean, living bread. It was a horrible and terrible house and neighborhood to live in. We needed to move, but couldn't afford it. Stuck in the slum, stuck in the gutter, wanting to get out, but couldn't even afford a U-Haul to get out. Oh, yeah, I know about that U-Haul. I'm preaching to myself. They charge you per mile. I went the wrong way. I was so mad. I was like, that's three more dollars I got. How am I going to come up with the $3.99? I Woo, you don't want to make a wrong turn in the U-Haul. You don't want, no, you don't want to do that because they're going to charge you. We couldn't afford a U-Haul to get out. Not only that, it was, it was, it was drug infested. The choice of drugs was selfishness and hate. Not only was it drug infested, it was gang infested. The gang leader was Lucifer himself. It was a, it was a wretched neighborhood, y'all. We, we, we live in a terrible place. It, it was darkness everywhere. Everywhere you turned, there was hopelessness. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was nothing but dead ends. We were set up, oppressed, gated in. And, 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 and even if we had a way out, we didn't want to get out because it felt too much like home. But in the midst of our predicament, in the midst of our dilemma, God sent a promise to the hood. He sent the promise to the slums. He sent a promise to the gangbangers. He, he sent a problem to the, to the drug addicts. He, he sent the problem, I mean, he sent the promise to his people. God promised Eve a baby that will grow up and get her out of the hood. A baby that will move his mama to a place she couldn't afford to go. A baby that could not just afford one U-Haul, but several U-Hauls to move everybody out of the predicament they were in. 
a Christmas gift so awesome that when he set you free, you are free indeed. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. God sent somebody who was able and more than capable to get us out of our situation. Can I preach it how I feel it this morning? You work in the house of guilt. You had no way out, but God in his great mercy sent somebody to get you out. Reminds me of, of LBJ. Chris, you know a little bit about LBJ. This is what the NBA star from Akron, Ohio did. LBJ grew up in the hood. He grew up in the slums. He was not expected to get out, but he got out. LBJ grew up, and when he grew up, became a successful NBA player. He moved his mama out of that house, and he moved her out of that neighborhood, a house in the neighborhood she couldn't afford to be in, but she's out. Not only that, He's still paying for young men and women to move out of a situation otherwise they couldn't afford to get out of. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all talking to me. In fact, one article said this. Love it. Got, I got excited. Here it is. It said this. The, 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 it, it, uh, uh, it talks about the neighborhood that LeBron once lived in. It said the neighborhood is tucked in an isolated patch of the city. You know how when you're looking for the hood, right? It's usually, come on, Chris, down the hill, cross some train tracks, and it's tucked because they don't want nobody to know that those people live over there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, 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 no. We, we, they, actually are, uh, they, they actually create uh, 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 regions in such a way that certain people can be in certain places and so that they won't get to other places. Historically, it was called redlining. Uh, you may want to look that up, right? So, 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 so here it is. It was, it was a neighborhood that, that was supposed to be forgotten about. It was a neighborhood that no one should have known about. But every few years, the residents in that tucked away neighborhood, those residents celebrate when they see a Hummer, a Hummer rummer, rumbling down the street. Everyone knows it's the basketball star LeBron James returning home where he first played the game. LBJ mom never would have thought the son she gave birth to would be not only her ticket out, not only her ticket out, but the ticket out for many sons and daughters in her neighborhood. Friends, God promised a son to Eve that will grow up and move God's people from the neighborhood of guilt to the neighborhood of forgiveness. Here it is, because you may not believe me. I brought a word for you. And I will make enemies of you and the woman. Here's the promise. Here it is. Here's the kid that's going to grow up and move his mom out the hood. In of your offspring and hers, descendants, he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. That's the first promise of a Messiah, in case you didn't know that. That's right there in Genesis 3.15. God promised a gift in the form of a baby that moves God's people from guilt to forgiveness. He moves them from, Steve, from, from light I mean, from darkness to light. 
but how would this go down? How would this come about? How would this happen? It would happen in a way that no one would have imagined. It would happen in a way that no human being could have came up with it. It would happen in a way, even if a human being did come up with it, they wouldn't have the power to execute it. It would happen in a divine way, but nobody really knew how it would happen, although it was tucked in the pages of Scripture, although God nestled and cradled it in, in the prophets, although God gave little revelations here and there on how it would happen, it was in the Word of God, but no one really put it all together, especially, especially, especially Joseph. Yeah, Joseph... Joseph didn't put it together, y'all. In fact, his story of the Christmas, of the first Christmas, necessarily commands our attention. You know that the Gospel of Matthew records the Christmas story from Joseph's point of view. First, we know this because unlike Luke, who records Mary's point of view, is full of details. But Matthew's description has few details, so that's how you know it's a brother. That was the first sign I knew. It was just short. He's straight to the point, Keith. His brother didn't give a whole lot of detail. He had few details. In fact, what we have in this gospel is enough to make us say, what in the Maury DNA test COVID-19 is going on here in this story? What makes this first Christmas so bizarre and crazy is an unexpected pregnancy. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, it was important to know that before they came together, I mean, sexual relations, she was found to be a child from the Holy Spirit. Not only do we know this is Joseph's story because it is few in detail, we know this is Joseph's story because only a brother is going to open up about the pregnancy he didn't cause. Now, y'all not going to talk to me. Just keep looking right on up here. I know y'all know the story, but pretend like you don't. Have you ever ran into a brother in an unexpected pregnancy situation? Have you ever talked to a brother in an unexpected pregnancy situation? And it's an unexpected pregnancy that he had nothing to do with. First thing he going to say, is she pregnant, dog? That's all he going to say. This is Joseph. This is his first Christmas, a 2020 experience. His Christmas didn't start out joyful and cheerful. You say, what you mean she pregnant? All the brother going to say, is she pregnant, dog? He was heartbroken. He was disappointed. He was distraught. With the absence of knowledge that this baby would walk on water, 
This baby would open the eyes of the blind. This baby will break the chains of the oppressed. This baby would remember the forgotten. This baby would open the ears of the deaf. This baby will give salvation. Joseph had none of that. Y'all clapping, but he wasn't clapping. Joseph didn't know this child would upgrade him and move him and his fiance out of the neighborhood of guilt to forgiveness. All he knows is the woman I love is pregnant and the baby ain't mine. That's all he knows. And my guess is the way he found out didn't help. It didn't help. No, no, Facebook, the way that he found out didn't help him at all. The Bible says she was found to be with child. I got to slow down because if I don't, you're going to miss it. That word found there means to discover by observation. It means to discover by observation. In other words, no one told Joseph about the pregnancy. It wasn't like one of his boys came up to him and said, hey, bro, hey, Joe, let me holler at you over here, bro. Uh, I hate to tell you, but, but Mary out here foul, dog. She is. And uh, I seen her kicking it with Zacchaeus the other day. Yeah, I hate to, I hate to be the one to, you know how your brothers come to you. I hate to, I hate to break it to you, but yeah, I seen her kicking it with little Zacchaeus. Yeah, the little, little guy in the tree. Yeah, dog, you ain't, you ain't going to believe it. Yeah, but they've they, they been kicking it real hard all through Bethlehem, dog. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. I seen them at the donkey store the other day. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They took a donkey Uber over to the uh, donkey dealership, and uh, they, I think they were going to purchase her little Christmas gift, dog. I hate to break it to you, but they were all snuggled up drinking hot chocolate and stuff, dog. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but Mary out here found, no, it didn't happen like that. He didn't get the news through a series of gossip. He didn't hear it through the grapevine. That's not how he found out. Y'all, he found out. No, Joseph found out by observation. He looks up one day, and Mary got a baby bump, y'all. And I don't know about you, but man, that's not how you want to find out that your girl pregnant, and it wasn't yours. However, though, listen, y'all, although I, I sympathize with Joseph, I don't blame Mary. I wouldn't have told him neither. Sure wouldn't have. Wouldn't have been me. No, I wouldn't have told that brother that. I mean, what's she going to tell him? God made her pregnant? I mean, I mean, I mean, she's going to go over there and tell that man that? No, Mary, Mary ain't doing that. Mary, like, God, you did this? You going to have to tell him. God, you going to have to break the news here. I'm not going in that room with him in that recliner, watching Comcast, tell him to pause it, put his legs down. I got to tell you something. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to tell him. And by the way, there are some things that only God can explain, friend. Because there are some things in some way God is going to use you that will never make sense to people. What I love about Mary 
is that she accepts the call of God and trusts him with the consequences. I'm trying to preach to somebody this morning. Some of you are trying to figure out how you're going to explain the situation. And sometimes you got to allow God to explain the situations. Oh, that we will be okay with God working out the details. Oh, that we would have the faith like Mary. God, I know this situation on the outside is going to look up, uh, 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 it's going to look bad. I know that people are going to have all kinds of perspectives on me. I know people are going to talk about me. I know people are going to gossip about me. I know that people are going to shun me. But God, because you said it's your will, I'll take the consequences. I'll pick up my cross and walk with it because I know this, that you're faithful in that which you started you'll bring to completion. Sometimes you got to trust God even when you can't trace God knowing that he's a good God. That's what Mary did. So Joseph finds out, he wakes up, he finds out, y'all, on his own, through his own observation. And the verse says, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she's found to be with child from the Holy Spirit and her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. By the way, when it says just man, doesn't mean that Joseph was perfect. Just means that he was a good dude, like he was just trying to do right. That's what that means. Doesn't mean he was perfect. Uh, uh, resolve, he resolved to divorce her quickly, quietly. What do most people do when they find out that the person they love stepped out on? What would you do? Joseph finds that she's pregnant, and he calls his divorce attorney. He's like, there's no way this is going to be able to work. There's no way we're going to be able to be together. You're cheating on me. You're having another man's baby. He calls his divorce attorney. He gets the papers together. He says he can have the donkey, and that's it. But by the way, I want to do this quietly because I do love her. Although she done me wrong, I still love her. I don't want her out there bogus. I do care for her. He goes to Mary and says, you got a week before I cut your iPhone 12 off. And you probably wouldn't be in this predicament if you had an Android. That's why them iPhones will mess you up every time. You got to get you an Android. And none of this would be happening if you had an Android, Cassie. That's all I'm saying. But then God, God intervenes. He intervenes before Joseph signs the divorce papers. He intervenes before Joseph calls it quits. You can see that God is kind of getting in the situation. God exercises his sovereignty and his providence because he don't need Joseph to blow the plan up. Because if Joseph blows the plan up and there's no baby Jesus, we got a situation. God needs Joseph to keep it cool, and God needs Joseph to stick with the plan. And so God intervenes. He needs Joseph to understand this is the kid who will grow up and save Akron. This is the baby who will grow up and move his mama out the hood. So God sends an angel to my man to proclaim two elements that are crucial to his proper interpretation. The declaration of Jesus' origin and the declaration of his significance. I need you to lean in on both of those. 
he sends an angel, and, and God had to send an angel because he knew Joseph would probably be swinging. If you swing at an angel, you're over with, right? So God sends an angel to tell Joseph two things, the declaration of Jesus' origin and the declaration of his significance. Let's start with the declaration of his origin. The verse says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, look at him, Joseph goes to sleep with it on his mind. Who else? I mean, I would have went to sleep with it on my mind as well. In a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear, take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, or of the Holy Spirit. This word of is the Greek preposition for it. It's where we get our English word exegesis. It simply means, church, to pull out of. In other words, there is a source from which something comes, from which you pull something out of. Friends, we often talk about this in preaching. There's two kinds of preaching. You got eisegesis. It's when the preacher puts in and he doesn't pull out of the Word of God, which means the Word of God is not his source. The source of his sermon did not come out of the Word of God. It came out of him. And you need to be careful of preaching that comes out of the preacher and not out of the Word of God. You say, why? Because there is no life in the Word of the preacher. But there is life. There is transformation. There is hope in the Word of God. So I need a word, preacher, that came out of the Word of God, not out of you. Now, now, now whenever you get preaching that is eisegesis, you need to do one thing. Leave. No, I'm sorry, run. And if I wasn't up here, I'd say some words, some other words for you. You better sit under preaching that pulls from the Bible because you need to hear from God every week. I don't know about you, but I need to hear from God every week. Every week I need to hear from God because if I don't, I don't know what I will do. I don't know if I'll make it another day if I don't hear from God. I don't know if I'll make it through this situation if I don't hear from God. I need to hear from God. Therefore, I need preaching that pulls the word from the word. The question we so often get in regards to Jesus is where did he come from? Where did he come from? It's the same question Joseph had. If it wasn't me and Mary, God... If you're saying it's no other man, Mary, where did the baby come from, Mary? Can you see the argument in the household that night? Mary, where did the baby come from? Well, verse 18 proclaims he came from the Holy Spirit. God is the source of this baby. God calls God to be conceived in Mary's womb. It's critical you understand this. Let me slow down. It's critical you understand that the baby came from God. If you don't get this, his significance means nothing. If Jesus' origin is not God, he is not the kid that grows up and saves Akram, the world. If this is just a human conception, we are done for. I want to explain something. 
that I never, ever want you to forget. If Jesus is not God, he is not the Savior. If Jesus is not God, he is not the Savior of the world. He's a liar. He's not worthy of worship. You cannot not be the Savior. You cannot not be God and be the Savior of the world. It's impossible. Let me tell you why it's impossible. The Bible, friends, the Word of God never, ever, ever separates God and salvation. The Bible never separates them. This is critical for you to understand. God and salvation are synonymous. God reminds his people of this in Isaiah 43, 11. I only, I am the Lord. And then watch this. And there is no Savior besides me. I, only I, am the Lord. This is self-identity here. I'm the Lord. And then he says, there is no salvation. There is no Savior besides me. God never separates himself and salvation. The baby is God, therefore he is the Savior. Who else is going to save you outside of God? In other words, you can't be the Savior if you're not God, and you can't be God unless you're able to save. They go together. You know, Mary struggle with this as well in the Gospel of John. She did. Oh, yes, Facebook. She, she struggled with this. She had trouble understanding this. Uh, Jesus tells, tells Mary, he is the resurrection. Blew her mind, messed her up. What do you mean? You're the resurrection. She says, I know a resurrection is coming in the future. I know that it's an event that's going to happen. I know that God is going to raise the dead. Jesus looks her in her face. He proclaims to her with all authority, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he, resurrection is standing before you. Resurrection has a name. Resurrection can be called on. Resurrection can be walked with. Resurrection can be talked to, Mary. You're looking for an event when resurrection is standing in flesh and bone before you get this, Mary. There is no separating me and the resurrection. You're not looking for something on the outside, outside of me. Because when God shows up, he's more than enough for you. Woman at the well had to understand this. I'm thirsty. Need some water. Woman, do you understand that water is standing before you? I am your drink. I am your water. Oh, this is hard for us to get. This is hard for us to understand. This is why we can't appreciate Christmas with the magnitude that we should because we don't understand that everything that we need is encapsulated in Jesus. I am what you need. Oh, if we get this. In our circumstances and situation, we're always looking for something and someone. And God is saying, I, 
I'm it. That's all I got for you. And that's all you need. Let me try to help you all to understand this. The disciples, Jesus, where are you going? Where are you going, Lord? Our life is in shambles if you leave us, Lord. Where are you going? How are we supposed to live? Jesus says, I'm the vine. I am your life. Nothing else out there that's going to come and give you life. I am your life. Let me try to help you understand this a little bit more clearer. When we go and clean carpets, I will go in and assess the situation. People call and say, we need you to come clean our carpets. And, of course, we want to go and clean them. And so I go and I assess the situation. And some people have pet urine. Some people have coffee spills. Some people got juice spills. After I assess the area, I got to go back to my car and get a chemical that can resolve the issue. I need something outside of myself to save the carpet. I have nothing in me that can save it. I'm not the savior of the carpet. I do clean carpet, but I'm not the solution that gets, that fixes the problem. The difference with God is he doesn't have to go to the car. He's not, he not only assesses your situation, he sees your stains, he sees your issue, and he doesn't go to the car. He is the solution. So he fixes the problem out of himself. This is why God has so many names. Elohim, creator God. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. He doesn't need a medicine. He doesn't need a vaccine. He does cure the coronavirus by himself. Jehovah Jireh, Jireh. The Lord will provide. I am your provider. You need peace? You need peace? You're going crazy? You need peace? That's what you're looking for? That's what you want? You think it's in the car? You think it's in your bank account? No, 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 no. It's in Jehovah Shalom. I am your peace. Now go to sleep. On Christmas... God gave God another name. He gave him a name that would go with his mission. God wanted a name that it explains why he came. He tells Joseph to name the baby Jesus. He says, now listen, Joseph, I don't want you naming him Joe Jr. Don't name him that. I don't want you doing that, all right? I, he's, not, he's, he's not like you, Joseph, okay? I don't want you to name him Joe Jr. I want you to name him Jesus. And the reason why I want you to name him Jesus, we'll see in a second in the verse. This is the declaration of his significance. She will bear a son, and you should call his name what? Jesus, for he will save his people from their what? Their sins. 
And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I love what Dr. Charlie Day says. He says, Mary carries the baby, but Joseph clarifies his mission. God says, Joe, you better not name him Joe Jr. Give him a name that will line up with his mission to save God's people. This baby will move my people from guilt to forgiveness. For God so loved the world that he gave his what? Only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have what? Eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. Friends, this is the significance of Jesus. He takes us from guilt to forgiveness. He is the gift that moves us. He didn't only move to us, but he moved us. Where did he move us? From the house of guilt, the house of forgiveness. 121 Matthew Street. Let's go there one more time. 121 Matthew Street. She, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. One of the things I learned this week with moving is when you move, it's like starting all over again. But in order to start over, there's some things that can't go with you. There's some things you got to throw in the dumpster. There's some things that can't go to the new house. There's some things you don't want to bring in your fresh new house. You know when you get a new house. In fact, my neighbor next door, they're still working on our house. He told me and my wife, I'm throwing everything away. I'm getting all new stuff. I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, when you're moving, you got to make a decision that some things cannot go with you. So you go through the cabinets, and, and you go through your clothes, and, and you go through your drawers, and you start throwing out things that cannot go with you. And friends, what I'm trying to tell you is that when God moves you from guilt to forgiveness, guilt cannot go with you. You're going to a new place. You're going to higher heights. There are some things that just can't go with you. Sin cannot go with you. Guilt cannot go with you. Shame cannot go with you. Not because, you're, not because you can afford it, but because God sent the Son into a world that has grown up to be perfect, and now he has afforded for you to move, and there are some things that just cannot go with you. Not only did I learn, moving to our new house, that there was things that couldn't go with us. I found out that we were not the only ones moving to the new neighborhood. Yeah, that's what I found out, y'all. In fact, when I got there, there were new neighbors. There were some neighbors that had also moved. Friends, I need to preach this. 
Because sometimes in Christianity, we're so individualistic, I can barely stand it. God didn't just move you from guilt to forgiveness. He moved your neighbor from guilt to forgiveness. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all of us who used to be messed up and jacked up, God has moved all of us to a new neighborhood. And we ought to be compassionate towards one another because all of us have received grace. In fact, I'll name a few of your neighbors for you. I think that as believers, we need to get acquainted with some of our neighbors. You want to meet some of your neighbors? You can look next to you, but if you're reading the Bible, you can find it right there in the genealogy. Yeah, right there. A few verses before our verse today, you got some other neighbors. Here in Jesus' genealogy, you got Isaac, the father of Jacob. Y'all know Jacob was a thief and a liar. Not anymore. He moved from guilt to forgiveness. Y'all know Rahab. Yeah, she's in his genealogy too. She was a prostitute. Not anymore. God moved her from guilt to forgiveness. Merry Christmas, Rahab. Y'all know David, right? Adolatry, uh, 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 the man that committed murder. Nasty, lusting. Take a man's wife, David. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the David, yes, who killed the giant, but J- David was a jacked up dude, not anymore. God moved him from guilt to forgiveness. Oh, but that's not it. Y'all remember his disciples, oh, wretched, uneducated, no good scumbags that kept wanting to what? A high place in the kingdom. What did God do for them? He moved them from guilt True forgiveness. Merry Christmas, disciples, but you don't even got to go that far. You can look at yourself. God moved you from guilt to forgiveness. Merry Christmas to you. You ought to praise God and celebrate God that he gave you a gift that has moved you from guilt to forgiveness. Worship team is coming back at this time. The crazy part about Christmas, friends, Jesus moves us to a neighborhood where there were a bunch of sinners who have now been forgiven. He is the kid that that grows up and moves us out of the slums of our sin and guilt. And one day, he's going to come rolling through our hood again. But he ain't coming rolling in a Hummer, although that would be nice. He's come rolling on a, a white horse to bring salvation to boys and girls who have received him as Savior. Friends, this is Christmas. Let us go from guilt to forgiveness as we trust in Jesus. Let us rest in him as we trust in Jesus. Let us not stay in the same place that we once were, but instead we have been afforded a ticket out of the hood and friends. We ought to take it by faith, through grace, by Christ alone, for his glory alone. Merry Christmas, Bethel Gary. You are no longer guilty. You are forgiven.